Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Bryant and today's motivational aim targets handling public disputes, disruptions, and discussions. For those who are just tuning in for the first time, I've had the opportunity to touch on some presentation tips for higher education students. And not only is this information suitable for higher education students, it can be relatable and applied to individuals in any work-related environment. Now, the tips that I'm going to go over today can be applied in a family meeting, a church meeting, community meeting, a work meeting, a meeting with friends, a meeting with loved ones, or wherever you have to present an idea or a topic to a person or a group of people and a dispute occurs. Well, for one, you don't want to get caught up yelling and cursing somebody out because it will turn on you and you will be made to look like the crazy troublemaker. But when a dispute or a disruption or an unwarranted discussion pops up in the middle of a presentation, you have to be able to bounce back and get on target as quickly as possible. For anyone who's ever experienced a dispute, a disagreement, or an issue, when the blow-up occurs, most often, it didn't just happen all of a sudden. There were things that led up to that breaking point. In some instances, if this is a group presentation and you're presenting with your group mates and in the middle of a presentation, one group member says some catty, petty remark to another person or as you're presenting your group mates, the people on your team, they're rolling their eyes, someone standing before the audience giving them a look of disdain, disrespect, or you have some group mates if an issue is occurring where they purposefully seek to embarrass somebody in front of the audience. Sometimes people, if they are in a setting where a disruption or a dispute takes place and people are not handling it right, they get before the audience with their group mates and they blatantly put somebody on blast, they yell at them, they curse them out in front of everybody. And as I just stated earlier, that particular moment in time, didn't just happen all of a sudden. Something led to that point, even if it was a lie, even if somebody was deceived, or it could be a situation where the person who's attacking people, they are projecting because they're not, or they were not accountable for their actions and people just left them alone. So they're just trying to lash out. It could be a lot of things that are taking place, a lot of them, but no matter what is taking place, it's up to us as individuals to take charge and be in control of ourselves, even though we can't control other people. And when that blow up happens, that was the end result of a progressive issue that developed over time. And it came out in that particular way. Now you could be in a group where everyone is on one accord and you could be in a group where everybody is not on one accord. But just because things are not cohesive and people don't agree with the same things personally, politically, professionally, or academically, it doesn't mean that they can't come together and complete a task. But sometimes people allow their emotions to rule in a situation and then instead of focusing on a task that needs to be completed, all these extraneous variables are in the mix and causing distraction, delays, and setbacks. Now, although we can't control how people treat us, as I just stated, and we can't focus and control on what people do to us in any group setting, it is vitally important that we aim to control how we respond in heated group discussions. 
as well as how we handle ourselves in group interactions and most importantly in group presentations. And I know I've said this before, you could be in a group and in one month you're scheduled to present your findings, your ideas, your view, or whatever it is that you have to present to the audience. Now you knew you had to present in a month and you already know in a month's time that you have to present. So what most groups try to do is they aim to set aside time to meet as a group to get the job done. And that might mean delegating tasks to certain group members and then delegating who is going to say what, what resourceful information will we need to bring to the presentation, what times are we going to meet, who will bring the laptop, who will bring the handouts, who's going to do X, Y, and Z. Whatever it might be, that is normally all addressed before a meeting. But let's say there's a breakdown. There might be somebody in the group who doesn't do anything. They're users, they're manipulators, and they just try to get over. And it could be for a variety of reasons, but it could be, one, they don't care. Or they pretend that they're involved, but they're really not involved. They act like they're taking notes. They act like they're giving all this input, and they're telling you what they can do, what they want to do, how they can get something done. And they know somebody, cousin, who daddy, who mama, who grandma, whose son, whose church leader, and whose pastor, and whose lawyer, and whose best friend can let you borrow X, Y, and Z to enhance this presentation. They do all of that. They get you hyped, like, oh, you can do that? Okay, that'd be great. Then they never show up again. You can never get a hold of them. And then... When they do show up, they tell you, oh, yeah, 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 I got it. You know, I, I talked to the, the grandma, the cousin, the lawyer. I, I talked to them. They're going to get it. But they never come through. They always have some type of excuse. Or you could have a groupmate who wants to be the leader of the group, and they possibly could lead, but they really just lead the whole group into a ditch because they don't know what they're doing. They just want their title. And they want to put on that paper when it's time to present to the or give to the instructor all the group members' names and their task. And they just want to have their name as leader. But they didn't lead. And then you could have the person in the group who doesn't want to be the leader. But they have the anointing to lead. So they kind of back up and they shy away. But then they have to take over the group because they realize the group leader is leading everybody in a ditch. And even when they try to come on the side of them and help them, they still leading people to a ditch. So they have to take on the responsibility of leading the group so the group won't suffer. And then they can have this favorable result where they get an A and their classmates or groupmates get an A also. And then you have a person in a group who will tell you straight up, hey, I, I'm not going to be here. I will not be here until two days before the presentation because I'm going on a trip that I am not going to cancel. And that's what I'm doing. Or they tell you, I'm not going to be here. Hey, just write my name on the paper. Try to include me. Hey, but don't text me, though. Don't text me. Just uh, do my work for me. Or I'm going out of town. Got to go make this money. Then I come back and see, you know, where we are. But uh, I ain't trying to be the leader. People will tell you. Some people will tell you that. Now I have more respect for a person who tell me what they're not going to do and they follow through with that opposed to somebody giving me these broken promises and they never follow through. So it just depends. But 
you have all those dynamics, personalities, and things going on within a group setting. And if you've been dealing with that for two months before a major presentation, of course some things are going to come out during the presentation, which shouldn't come out. But if you haven't handled those interactions and those concerns and complaints as a group, then it's going to bust at the seams whenever it busts at the seams. And the goal is if it, when it does bust wide open, how are you going to handle it? How are you going to handle the situation? Now, as I just stated, you have all that going on. And let's say that you're, it's the day of the presentation. It's five of y'all in a group. Three people are on one accord, but two, they're not on one accord. They don't want to be a part of the group. In this case, they want to blame other people for their lack of completing group assignments and being a part of the overall goal of achieving what they need to achieve to complete a task. So they just want to project. They're mad because people are not playing with them. So they're causing all these kinds of issues. They're negative. They're disrespectful. They're putting their hands on and in things just to distort it. Now, what do you do when you have to get through a presentation when two of your group members are troublemakers? And it's, you know, it's presentation day. Let's say it's time to start talking. And then people start calling people out, saying how the group didn't treat them fair while y'all are in the middle of presenting on the fundamentals of bird watching, somebody starts talking about how somebody wasn't fair. They think they're better. They hate this group. They don't understand why they had to do group work anyway. This whole situation is stupid. It's outrageous. I hated this group. That's why I didn't do any work. Let's say they say all this disrespectful stuff. And then let's use another example where you having issues with the group members and it's the day of the presentation, but they're not that overt in their disrespect. They try to be covert in the respect of acting like that they like their group members, but there's some underlying disrespect that you and your group members know about because y'all had to deal with each other for two months. But before the class, they say little things that are jabs at you that don't fit into the context of the presentation only to cause problems. It could be where they congratulate you and thank you for taking the reins of being the group member and you're just so great with people and I'm so glad you're a leader because you said that I wasn't a good leader because you said I'd lead you in a ditch but thank you this presentation is going great and then they start talking about the elements of basket weaving or the fundamentals of bird watching. They didn't have to say all of that but they feel like they want to insert that in to cause a problem. And you already know what time it is. What do you do? Like I said, you don't want to curse nobody out. That Let me rephrase that. You might want to curse somebody out, but it's not wise to curse somebody out. And these situations happen in professional and academic settings and even in churches where there's a meeting. And something happens. And I'm pretty sure everybody who was listening to this podcast can relate. Where you were in a group setting. And whether it was you who didn't want to do the work. And you projected it on somebody. Or you were putting in work. You and other people. And then you had outside, well, insiders who didn't want to do what they need to do. And then it's time to present or get before a body to talk about something. And all this goes on. And you don't want to get caught up on that because that's a distraction. 
And then sometimes you find yourself getting involved in the distraction where you try to defend yourself to somebody who showed themselves to be that they don't even care about what's going on. And then you get caught up in this whirlwind of letting people know how you feel. Letting them know, hey, I'm not the one to play with. Let me tell you about yourself. Let me do X, Y, and Z to you. Let me expose you. Let me put you on blast. Oh, people gonna know the truth. All in the middle of the class or in the middle of your group. And it's just, we was just here to talk about birds. That was it. But all those underlying issues bust at the same, burst at the same. It is important to handle yourself properly, even if you want to tell them or tell somebody where they can go and how they can get there and how you can help them too. So, if you are in a situation where a dispute breaks out in the middle of a presentation, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a presentation, it can be in a group setting, it can be anywhere, how do you handle yourself? First of all, before I give these tips, you pray. You stay rooted in God's word. You put on the full arm of God. You ready before this even happens. You're not trying to catch up later. What you want to do first is pray. Ask the Lord for wisdom. Lord, empower me to do what you call me to do. Lord, strengthen me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be holy and pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, because you're my rock and you are my redeemer. Lord, help me. Even though it's hard to deal with this person, you tell me I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And if you feel like you're going to say something, you might just have to just watch him shut up. No disrespect to you listening, but you just have to shut your mouth until you are able to converse with a person in an effective way where you're not disrespecting them even though they're disrespecting you. And that is easier said than done. Easier said than done. But first and foremost, pray. Talk to God. Cast your cares on the Lord. Let the Lord know how this person is getting on your nerve. Tell them. Let them know. And as you let them know, he's going to start working in you, even though this person may not change. Tip number one, don't engage. What I mean by this is if somebody is in a going-off mood, And they feed their desire to go off on you. Or let's say it's not them, it's you. It's your group mates. Aim to not engage. Don't jump in and try to defend yourself or your group mates. Just don't engage. Especially if it's in front of an audience and y'all are presenting and somebody just want to go off. Don't give them that satisfaction. You don't have time to feed their fire of what you already know to be true, even if they're lying on you. Let's say the person who's going off was lazy in the group and they're projecting and they don't like that they feel that they're being exposed because they didn't put anything in the group uh, presentation and they're standing there and they don't like that feeling. So they want to just shift it and start talking about people, talking about people's character, talking about people's actions of how they feel that they were treated. And you know it's all a lie. What you don't want to do is project. Because engaging with them at that time is not conducive to where you're trying to go and what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve, which is trying to get an A after class, trying to pass the class, and trying to get the heck out of there so you can graduate. It will only distract you and it will get you caught up 
And then people will think both of y'all are crazy and unstable because if they say those things and you know they're lying, then you feel like you want to defend yourself and you just, that's all you hear. But let them say what they're going to say. And most times the professor will jump in and try to defuse the situation. But even if the professor doesn't jump in, let that person finish talking. Put your hands behind your back. Fix your face. And then after they finish, don't even ask them, are you done? Because then they're going to they gonna get right back on it. Let them finish and then calmly begin where you left off in the presentation. As I said, this is easier said than done, especially when it happens to you and it's just a shock. But if you're dealing with an irate group mate, your practice would have been dealing with them way before the presentation. They didn't just start being irate and crazy and disrespectful before the presentation date. This happened before. You've seen it before. It's been revealed before. So your practice was dealing with them then. So when the big thing comes, you know how to deal with it. So what does that look like? Let's say somebody goes off on you in the middle of the presentation. They say something to the effect of, yeah, this group, oh, I couldn't stand them. Oh, y'all get on my nerve. I hate y'all. This was a stupid topic anyway. And you, they saying everything. I allow them to finish and then say, all right, all right, okay, okay. Even if they talk about your hairstyle or your outfit or your man, they talk about your lady, they're talking about your kids, just all right. All right. So to get back on the different dynamics of basket weaving, I want to refer to the handout. Now that's hard to do, but I'm gonna let you know it's gonna make them mad, and the class and the audience is gonna see. Oh, wow! They have self control, and they can't do nothing but respect you because you didn't engage with the foolishness, and you'll know the foolishness when you see it. So don't engage, even if someone tries to flatter you you'll know it's foolishness. Let's say they don't go off on you. Let's say they, you know, I just really liked what you did and I really enjoyed this. And during our group interactions, you were just so eloquent and you just held your own and you were so organized. None of that fits in the context of what you're trying to do at that moment. They're flattering you and it's not a real compliment. It's disrespectful at that moment. Let them finish, use the same approach. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. And then get back to the presentation. Okay? Tip number two, quickly disarm. Now, this is a follow-up to tip number one of not engaging because when you disarm, you're not only disarming the person who wants to attack you, you're disarming those people in the group who want to get involved and handle the dispute their way which could be the wrong way. So you really just disarming the whole situation. By quickly disarming the situation, you have indirectly disarmed those group members who realize it's okay to maintain self-control where they don't have to jump on somebody back. They can just backtrack and not focus on the wrong task. So when you answer or speak, think before you just blurt out anything because that's what we don't want to do, say the wrong thing at the wrong time, and then we set another fire that we have to put out. Tip number three is to focus on the assignment. 
Even when a dispute or disruption takes place, it can be very hard to focus on the assignment. But that is what we all must do. No matter what happened, keep pushing through and finish the assignment. Sit down and then focus on the rest later. But get through the task, get through the assignment to the best of your ability. Tip number four is don't feed the fire. No matter how bad it gets, if they start talking bad about you or they start making personal jabs, don't feed the fire. Now, if it becomes physical and people start charging at you and coming at you the wrong way, that's a different story. Now, I'm not promoting violence whatsoever, but in the event of you knowingly needing to defend yourself, you got to do what you have to do. But if someone is just running off at the mouth, they're talking sideways, they're talking out the side of their neck, they're attacking your character, they're talking about your group mates, personally, they're disrespecting you, don't get caught up in that. Just do what you did in tip number one. Just sit there, put your hands behind your back, because then they like to say, you are, what you trying to do something? Put your hands behind your back, beat them before they try to say something, and then just give those one-word responses real softly, like, oh, okay. All right, all right, all right, okay, uh, okay, all right. Now, they're going to get upset, and even if they yell and scream and get mad because you, why are you saying all right? Why are you saying okay? They're going to do that. <laughs> but remember to not engage, keep calm, remain poised, and then let them finish talking about whatever they talking about and doing. And then you just jump right on in and finish the presentation about the fundamentals of basket weaving and take your seat. Now, by you saying okay, all right, and putting your hands behind your back and remaining poised and talking with grace, it doesn't make you a punk. It doesn't mean that you're a punk at all. All it means is that you have self-control and you know how to utilize self-control in heated situations where you could have let people know what was up and you could have let people know what time it really was. But you know the importance of exercising godly wisdom and maintaining and exhibiting God-honoring self-control. Even when your flesh tell you, beat her, kick her, hit her, curse her out, curse him out. That You can't follow those voices. You got to follow the right voice, and that's God's voice. But you only get there by putting the full armor of God on and staying committed and saturating yourself and just continuously talking to God about everything, anything, and asking him to strengthen you, empower you, and give you strength and wisdom to do what you need to do on a daily basis. Because it's easier said than done. Because if you're not practicing anything like this, you're not going to just be calm and tell somebody, hey, you know, okay, all right. You're not going to be able to do that just like that. And if you do say okay and all right, then you're going to jump in and get something started. And we don't want to do that. But don't confuse God honoring self-control with being a punk. It does not make you weak. If anything, all people can do in a situation like that, looking on the outside and they don't know what's going on inside, they see, man, you strong. You, you set up boundaries. That she really don't play. Or he doesn't play. And that's just what it is. 
And tip number five is to follow up when you're ready. And if you're not ready to follow up, don't follow up at all. Don't do it. And I'm talking about after a dispute takes place. You're presenting. You have some group members who do some catty, disrespectful stuff in the middle of a presentation. It disrupted the flow of where you were trying to go and what you were trying to achieve. And now you have an opportunity. Are you going to go converse with these people about what happened? Or are you going to leave it alone? What are you going to do? And it could be a situation where that group member, you know, people start telling them, hey, you was wrong for this. You was, the professor gets on them and they feel that they want to come apologize to you. And even if they apologize, of course, you, you forgive them. But it doesn't mean that you have to sit there and have a powwow with them and tell them, this is how you made me feel when you did that in front of those people. I didn't like that. I mean, you really hurt my feelings and I wish you didn't do that and. Hopefully we can be friends. No. (laughs) No. You can entertain their apology, forgive them, but you don't have to sit there and have this full-on counseling session. Mm Mm-mm. Now, if you want to, you can. But um, you don't have to. Now, it's okay to try to iron out issues and talk about it. But... When people get up there to intentionally disrespect you in front of a group of people, that wasn't a mistake. In most instances, those were planned attacks. But then they want to get behind closed doors and talk about how I was wrong, you know. Can you forgive me? Can you? No, let's get before the class and do a public apology using the same enthusiasm that you used when you cursed me out and talked about all these things about me. No, let's let's not try to get behind closed doors, behind bookshelves and elevators and little bushes and talking about, yeah, 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 the other day when um, I went off on you. Yeah, I mean, I apologize, man. I just didn't feel good that day. You know, I just, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. That's all fine and good. But, um... Let's make this apology as public as you did when you disrespected me. But if you're not ready to follow up with somebody, you probably don't need to have a discussion with them. You just accept the apology. Or you can accept the apology. You can forgive them before the apology even reaches you. So you can be clear of that. But you got to be careful because sometimes we want to follow up to do somebody up. Like you want to snatch them up. And if you feel that urge to snatch somebody up... You don't need to go talk to them because it's not going to be what you really want it to be. And then you have to be wise. First, you have to pray about this situation because sometimes people only apologize because they have another motive in place. Or some people apologize because they're sincerely sorry. They're sincerely apologetic. They know they're wrong. They know it. But it's another thing if somebody come to you saying they want to follow up they want to apologize but then they go right back in that cycle yeah I did that because you made me feel that I wasn't doing my work and you like you weren't doing your work I mean but I just didn't like this and it's your fault now you're in a situation so the Lord will let you know what to do but forgive them before they even come to you and it's always good to just forgive them 
pray for them, steer clear from them, have your distance, especially if it was a heated situation. Because you still have to pass that class or you still have to complete that project or whatever for work because you have to get paid or you're trying to graduate. And you can't have these type of people, these distractions stop you. Because everybody's not going to like you. And you're not going to like everybody. They're going to be personality clashes. But we shouldn't allow personality clashes to get in the middle of a task we need to complete. And the scripture I would like to leave you all with is Proverbs, the 25th chapter and the 28th verse, which reads, A person who does not control his temper is like a city whose wall is broken down. And that is the Christian standard Bible version. But I want to read the same scripture, the same verse in the Amplified Bible. And it reads, like a city that is broken down and without walls, leaving it unprotected is a man who has no self-control over his spirit and sets himself up for trouble. This scripture is pointing out the importance of maintaining self-control in every situation and circumstance we face in life. We should make the conscious decision to mentally think about what we are going to do when challenges appear in our lives. I'm not saying that in every situation we will always think clearly and we will always choose the best and perfect option or approach. But what I am saying is that when we don't exhibit self-control for the things we can control for ourselves, then we are in trouble. And we can control our attitude. We can control our mouth. We can control our intentions. We can control our interactions with how we choose to respond to people. We can control what we allow to bother us and what we don't allow to bother us. We can control a lot of things, but we shouldn't let our attitudes, our mouth, our behaviors control us where we are like a city that is broken down. That means there are no boundaries set up. And it also means we are susceptible for allowing more things to come in to hurt us, to harm us, to influence us, and ultimately leave us in a state of stagnation, and then we're destitute. When we don't exhibit self-control, we hurt ourselves and those we are responsible for. And you can exhibit self-control because you have God, the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit as your guide, your support, and your example. So when you are in a situation where you want to go off on somebody or somebody is going off on you, aim to exhibit God-honoring self-control. That means maintaining self-control before others in public and in private. So I hope this encouraged you. And thank you for tuning in. And if you want to connect with me on social media, you can find me at college underscore success tips where you will see encouraging college tips and updates. And feel free to subscribe to this podcast, share this podcast so that I can continuously encourage you in your academic and your personal God honoring targeted goals. Peace and God bless.